What's up, Chuckers? Welcome to the Catch This Podcast. I'm Nook, and I'm here with my co-host, Kick. Hello. And uh, today we are doing episode number four. I think, we're, are we counting this as our fifth podcast, but episode four? I don't know. Anyway, today we're talking about slinging for the purpose of hunting and animal husbandry, farming, more than survival. It's a little more sophisticated, a little more settled humanity than uh, than survival we're talking about we'll just say hunting that's it that's the short version so sling slings for hunting and with that uh take it away kick well this is uh somewhat of a controversial topic or it can be a controversial topic should we say so we're gonna start off with a few sort of explanations or some disclaimers i guess um I can say for myself that I'm not really from a hunting background at all. I've never been hunting. I'm not an expert on, on that. And when it comes to using a sling in in a hunting setting, it's it's quite a complicated thing. And we're going to sort of delve into that as we go through this episode. But we thought it was important to uh, say that we understand that this is controversial, that there are people that are very, very opposed to this uh hunting in general but also particularly hunting with a sling and there are people that are very much for hunting and very much for hunting with a sling so we need to break down this topic a bit to really talk about it uh so that we're fair and that we fully explore the topic properly um so just know that we we understand what this topic can bring up so we're going to be uh not exactly treading lightly but giving this topic the the sort of respect that it deserves. I'll add to that, uh, just generally speaking, uh, whether you agree with hunting or not, uh, we both take the position. So I guess I should say I am not an expert either. I have never hunted anything with a sling, and my hunting experience uh, without a sling is limited, uh, meaning I went rabbit hunting as a child once with uh, some friends, with, with my father and some friends, and we saw a dead cow. What the what the rabbits knew that we didn't was that there was a huge storm rolling in. So basically, it was just a bunch of guys walking around in the rain. So I, I have not successfully hunted either. So that that sets your expectations for our level of expertise on this particular topic. But uh, uh, I will say what when we talk about hunting, in terms of whether you agree with it or not, that uh, we we don't condone unethical hunting, obviously. Uh, so if if you're hunting, if you're okay with hunting, uh, generally the the principle is that you're hunting something because it's food and you're doing it in the most humane way possible. I'll just leave it at that and leave those definitions open a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best approach. Um, also, a very important uh, aspect of this that we need to address very quickly is uh, laws and legality um because i know for a fact that in finland um it's not legal to hunt most things with a sling it's and this is kind of one of the problems is that it, it gets a little a little difficult to say in some places whether whether it's legal or illegal i think it's if you're not sure it's better to err on the side of thinking that it is illegal in most places um, usually just from the sling being left out of legislation rather than actively banning in a lot of places. Um, usually there are there are certain uh, parameters that have to be met for something to be legal to hunt with, certain uh, the amount of energy uh, it imparts to whatever projectile it uses. I know for a fact in Germany that there are limits to how strong like things like air guns can be. So... There are there are definite limits in some ways, but the sling is always, as we've talked about before, it's it's usually forgotten about. It falls into these weird sort of area grey areas where it's not quite clear exactly where it sits, um, and particularly when it comes to hunting, which can have very strict laws around it, it can be very difficult to discern whether it's legal to hunt with a sling. So, before anyone does anything close to hunting with a sling it's very important to check out what the local laws are maybe ask directly from whatever uh hunting or uh land management or, ho or however it works and wherever you're working 
what the laws and parameters are before doing anything. Uh, I think that's an important thing to to be aware of is that it might not be legal. And for the most part, as far as I've seen from looking at some of the laws, most of the pla- most places it isn't legal. I, I could think I could say broadly. Probably that's a safe answer is to just assume that it's not legal wherever you are, unless you know for sure that it is. Um, yeah. And then also uh, back to the ethical piece of this, you, uh, slings are very difficult to be accurate with unless you've spent your entire life, dedicated your life to uh, slinging accurately. And so there, there are very, very few people whom I would consider accurate enough to guarantee a good clean kill on most animals. So, so generally, unless you are really good with the sling, and I, I certainly don't consider myself to be that good, it's from an ethical standpoint, you're more likely to cause injury and suffering rather than getting a dinner for the night. Yeah, and, and it's also important to understand that it might be that someone is really, really good at hitting a target at 20 meters consistently, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be any good at hunting with it because the target is moving. It's usually a lot smaller than the target they've been using. And it might, you know, there's a lot of different aspects that go into it. It's, it's not quite as simple as just target shooting either. So it's, you have to really know your stuff, I think, before you can consider it. Yep. And that's kind of the opinion. I think we can both, I think can say for both of us that we, that we take that it takes uh, a lot of experience, a lot of, practice a lot of um a lot of confidence in your abilities to be able to use this weapon for for hunting so that's something to consider as well uh as well as the laws is how how effectively you can put it into use so that you don't cause any suffering to whatever it is that you're hunting and i i think that most people make an exception to that in a survival hunting situation in that if it's a matter of just getting any food at all and you have a sling and no other options, then usually that's a threshold where someone would say, intellectually speaking, I would be willing to go and try to hunt with a sling if it means the difference between eating and not eating when I'm starving. Yeah. Uh, so, but really what we're talking about here is an intellectual exercise. There are very few situations where, and very few people ever go through that situation where they have to make that type of decision. So, Effectively, this episode is going to be a couple of people, a couple of non-hunters, uh, having an intellectual discussion about something we have no idea about, which is what pretty much every episode so far. Well, we've got, we've got to maintain the consistency of uh, pretending that we know what we're talking about, despite the fact that we know nothing. <laughs> and there should be plenty of blood and guts. Only this time, it's animals, hopefully. Yeah, so it's not quite as bad. I guess it depends who you ask. Or it's it's worse depends on yeah, depends on your, your philosophical leanings. I mean some some people would consider animals to be more innocent and therefore it's worse, but I don't know. But that's that's that can be left up to philosophers that know what they're talking about to discuss. That's um, right. That's right. But yeah, so the that is kind of a point there we're talking about survival. There's kind of the way I've seen it is that often survival gets thought of as uh, being that sort of situation of you know, your plane has crashed in the middle of nowhere and now you've got to go hunt for something. But um, for most of human history, that hasn't been the case. Like, it's it's not like people are always getting lost in the forest constantly and always having to try and survive on their own. Um, Those ones probably don't survive as much. No, the, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe the first or second time, but if you keep getting lost in the forest, you know, you're pushing your luck. Eventually, they just stop sending out the rescue team for you. So, but... The sling has been used for a long time throughout human history and has been used by groups that you could say have been using it for survival, but in a very different setting from being just on their own. They've been using it as you know part of a society or group in a sort of hunter-gatherer setting. And so uh, looking to history, we can kind of find out a lot about how the sling has been used and maybe that can sort of inform us a little bit on how it should be used or could be used nowadays. Um, so again, with the sling, it's so old, we have to go all the way back to primitive man, the very early beginnings of uh, human society and uh, there's there's evidence that um this thing has been used i mean it's very difficult to discern whether something has been used for hunting as a weapon against other people as both so it's a little difficult to say for that but it seems pretty clear that the sling would be useful in particularly hunting smaller animals rather than 
you know deer and boar and larger animals it's more more suited for sort of small to mid-sized animal animals rabbits and birds particularly and i think particularly with birds and the way that the sling is not the most precise of weapons in most people's hands i think fl- slinging into a flock of birds is probably the best sort of um use for the sling in in that sort of a setting where you are and you know you you have to go out and find some food at least i know for myself if i was having to go and collect food using a sling i think birds would make the most sense especially because i'm not all that accurate so a big flock of birds it's hard to miss something at least <laughs> so as well as hunting uh primitive people once uh, farming developed people started using the sling for animal husbandry um defending uh their flocks of sheep or their you know goats or pigs or it, i think pretty much any animal that can be penned up and kept in one place will need defending from wolves from mountain lions whatever animal it is dinosaurs yeah d- dinosaurs as well so the sling makes for a good weapon uh in that sort of a situation especially uh, depending on the climate or the area that you're in i mean um if you're in an area that's very rocky that's like quite open um then having a sling on you you have unlimited ammo all around you and you can very easily get off a shot to just just even scare away um animals i think that's one thing that people talk when when the subject comes up people talk about you know being able to kill a wolf with a sling and yes you probably can but you don't really need to in these sorts of situations if you're trying to defend your sheep you can just land a rock near and near a wolf and it'll scare it off and with a lot of ambush predators once they know once they know that they've been seen then that's kind of it they give up after that so i think it 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 would be a very useful tool and it's proven to be in a lot of history for this sort of use so so i guess that would be slinging for the purpose of anti-hunting in that you're trying to prevent an animal from hunting another animal by scaring it away with rocks yeah it's it's a perfect weapon for both hunters and anti-hunters yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, don't go off into the woods and start slinging at people who are hunting with a official hunting license. That's oh, that's geez, yeah. back into the con- now we're getting back into the the conflict. Yeah. We already talked about that. <laughs> Let's not open up another can of worms on this. Uh, I, I, oops. <laughs> but uh, again, with slinging at birds, um, going back towards the hunting is uh, you can defend fields from crows uh, as well using a sling and in fact we there is credited evidence for this in um a border illustration from a 14th century uh manuscript uh so medieval and uh it shows someone defending a plowed field from crows using a sling and, it, and we'll have that up on the uh on the website for you to check out um but it's a really interesting picture because it does it does show like the how the person is carrying the stones as well. They're like sort of folded up in his tunic and uh, yeah, shows him throwing slinging directly at these crows. So I think that's a very, very credible use for the sling as well as, as keeping animals away from your crops. And I can see that working even today. I mean, I've, I've, I've thought about like, maybe I could go up to some of the people that have got like allotments and just say, Hey, I'll, I'll help protect your crops. If you just give me a load of stones, I'll just sit out here in the sun and, throw stones at, uh, to keep birds off. That sounds like quite quite a nice time, just sitting around defending crops. Any excuse to go slinging. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's perfect. So, I don't know. Maybe I can get that someday, but uh, get that job. Yeah, so it's it's funny. It's, it's not that much different than the idea of the shepherd using, uh, you know, using a sling to protect the flock. Only, I guess the nice thing about if you're growing corn is that the corn doesn't run off and you don't have to go chasing it. So it's it's like sheep that are stuck in the ground. Yeah, it's, it's perfect, yeah. You don't even have to go walking too far. <laughs> you have to gather them all up at the end of the day. Um, and also with that, uh, I do think that, because we know that a lot of slings crack and that whips have been developed for the use of either like influencing the direction of animals or... Uh, like encouraging animals to go a certain way. I, I do think the crack of a sling, I think primitive people would have very quickly realized that slings can make a whip crack if they're made the correct way or used the correct way. So, well, you know, that's a good point. Also in, in shepherding the, a lot of times a rock will be thrown beyond a sheep in order to scare it back toward the flock. 
Yeah. So it's used for for not just not just hunting, not just scaring off predators, but also scaring your own flock in order to get them to stay in the fold. Yeah, yeah. I think the whip, the whip crack of a sling could also be used used for that. Um. So, uh, I I the, again, there's not there's not a lot of direct evidence that we have for how slings were used in history. We've already talked about this. Um. In in a in a non martial setting. Um, and that includes hunting as well. There isn't much direct evidence. Um, so we kind of have to sort of think of, like kind of reconstruct it as best we can from what we know about the saying of what we know about these sorts of, uh, situations, these sorts of uses, how it could be used. But, um, I think, I think it's very clear that they were used and, uh, I can completely see why this thing was thought of as good or why it was used for so long in these sorts of settings, because it does have a lot of really good attributes for what you're trying to do. I guess also along the same line, yeah, we're talking, I guess we're, we're talking about how the sling is, is used in animal husbandry and hunting right now. And so I, we, let's go ahead and just list it out, summarize what I think we probably covered it, but okay. Uh, so the sling can be used first for hitting things with rocks and killing them, uh, AKA hunting. Uh, then secondly, it can be used to uh, flush out or redirect an animal to uh, either draw them in for some other method like spears or bare hands or whatever. Uh, so it's it can be used to, to control the direction of an animal mm-hmm. would be the second use. And then the third would be to drive an animal. You know, So one would be to draw it toward you. The other would be to push it away from you, like yeah. in the case of keeping a, a crow away from your crops or keeping a wolf away from your sheep. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers the mechanics, right? Yeah. It can be a very uh, versatile tool in that way. Got a few different uses. All right. So, so then let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, again, the intellectual exercise of what would it look like to actually go hunting? If we assume that there, it can be done ethically and that there, you have a really good reason to do it. Like, survival or feeding your family, uh, then if you were going to hunt with a sling, let's talk about what would be, you know, what would you hunt? What would it be like to hunt, you know, a bird versus a rabbit versus an elephant? Uh, would not recommend elephant hunting with a sling. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that I would recommend elephant hunting, period. That sounds really hard. Yeah, I think yeah, it does sound somewhat more difficult than a bird or a rabbit. So it's slightly uh, dangerous as well. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that might be the opposite of survival, but but with with birds, like I, like I mentioned, I think the best use would be going down to some water's edge or some area where there's a lot of water birds, and getting them scared up into the air and then hitting them in the air um in while they're while they're in a flock and i mean there's there's evidence in history of that being done with um throwing sticks uh for a little while i i got confused and thought i think it's because it'd been brought up before on the sling forum i i thought that in the in the picture that it was shown um egyptian hunters using slings to hunt for water birds but i'd actually remembered it wrong it's throwing sticks they were using and they have one person down in the bushes scaring the birds up into the air and then other people using sticks to hit the birds out of the air. But I mean, in a lot of ways, using a, a sling would be a lot better than using a throwing stick, in my opinion, because the ammo that you're throwing, you don't need to necessarily get back. I mean, it can take quite a lot of work to make a really good throwing stick. So with a rock, you don't really need to worry about getting it back. I know it could take a lot of work to make a really good rock, too. True. It depends on, on how you're... Um, on what sort of uh, rock you're using, but if you're just using any old rock, which is also a good thing with using slings, that you can use just any old rock, and if you're throwing, throwing into a flock, you don't need to worry too much because you'll hit something and injure them. Um, and also, that's another thing. If that, you're really into that, you could you could use gold nuggets, though. You could, if, if you want to get fancy with it. I mean, the Egyptians had some pretty fancy stuff in those tombs, so who knows, maybe they did do something like that. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, but but birds would make the perfect uh, sling sling hunting uh, game, I think, because they have such they have much weaker bones because they're hollow because they need to fly, and you know a sling hitting a bird, I think, would do a lot of damage. Like you could very easily kill a bird. 
at least immobilize it to where it can't fly away, at which point your mobility is going to be better than the bird. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. You just walk up, walk up and, and dispatch it, yeah. So uh, that's it's kind of an interesting thought. I never thought about it this way before. But, you know, a shotgun is basically, you know, spreading out lots of little uh, pellets. You know, it's lots of ammo spread out over an area in order to improve your chances of hitting what it is that you're trying to hit. And uh, slinging at a flock is kind of a reverse shotgun, right? Yeah. You're not trying to hit a specific animal. You're trying to hit any of them by throwing at a very large target. And statistically, you've got a good shot at getting one of them. Yeah. And in fact, you could hit more than one. I think there's the saying, um, killing two birds with one stone. And no one really thinks about why exactly there's a stone killing birds. But I think... That's evidence of slingies for hunting birds. Yeah, we're we're going to claim that phrase as a slinging phrase from now on. We we own that now. I, I think I think it's like more than reasonable to think that because no one would go out hunting birds using a stone that they're throwing with their hand, but with a sling that could easily kill two two maybe more birds if you've got a heavy enough rock and you're throwing it at you know ninety five miles an hour or something. Yeah, that's going to go through a bird. Uh, I think I'm, I think it's. It's far from controversial to say that that's about slinging at birds. So yeah, there you go. We do have some um, first-hand accounts of hunting using a sling. Um, the first one coming from Noel Slinger on the uh, Slinger.org forum. He's uh, been a long-term member and has, has talked about the situation where he killed a rabbit using a sling. And um, he's, I think, he's quite sort of. Uh, apologetic for it now it wasn't really his um intention going out there but it shows that hunting with a sling is possible um he's talked about this situation a lot over the years and it has been years that he's brought this this up so i think it's a very sort of a verifiable thing i i don't question it really at all because it's it's a very consistent story story that he has of this so i think it's quite a reasonable thing to take it at face value he describes how he saw a rabbit at the top of a uh, knoll, like a small hill, and he could see it against the sky. That there wasn't really anything behind it. And uh, he was coming back from high school, uh, actually, and uh, he uh, could see the rabbit at about 50 yards and it had like a side profile to him. So he thought, let's try and hit it. I think him being in high school at the time, maybe he was a bit sort of, I don't know, sort of youthful exuberance perhaps I <laughs> it just wasn't fully thought through yeah I don't, I, it sounds like he wasn't really thinking about the consequences of it which you know is perfectly perfectly understandable from a teenager i, I know for myself that <laughs> thinking through consequences and perhaps uh teenagers for foreplay foreplay that's not the right word that is probably not the right <laughs> word uh, not, that's a, oh, that's a different podcast is not uh, perhaps a teenager's forte. Editing kick here. I was going to edit this part out, but to be honest, it's the perfect example of a Freudian slip, so it's staying in. Forte. There we go. Whew. Jesus. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, he uh, lined up his shot and threw it, and the first one was quite low and missed, and he thinks it sort of went went off to the left and. The rabbit noticed noticed this rock going past it and so jumped and sort of turned around, but it didn't actually run away. It froze in place and it again had this side profile to him. So he tried again and this time hit it and the rabbit didn't end up to... Uh, it wasn't really the best situation for the rabbit. Um, he said that he went up to the knoll to find it and found that the head was there there was a gap of about a foot and then he found the hind legs and the rest of the rabbit was just gone. And so there's legs on the left, head on the right, and it was just the rest of the rabbit was had disappeared. So so take, taking that story at face value, if we're talking about a 50-yard distance, you have to be throwing something pretty hard and it's got to be a fairly heavy projectile. When you look at uh, like bow hunting for small game like rabbits, uh, usually they don't even use a sharp arrow. They use a blunt tip that uh, when it hits, it, it hits hard enough to, to stun and take out the animal. So if you're talking about a big, heavy rock, yeah, it, it's, it's possible. It, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, gruesome. I, and in fact, I would say an ineffective hunting approach if 
you normally, if you're going to take out an animal, you want there to be an animal left to eat because we're talking about doing this for food generally. Yeah. So, so not the most effective hunting technique and not recommended for a lot of reasons. And obviously they were, the way that they talk about it, I think they were fairly traumatized by the experience as well. Not as traumatized as the rabbit, obviously. Yeah, that rabbit was pretty traumatized. But um, yeah, I, I think I think it kind of shows that there is that people sort of talk about the upper level of you know what you can hunt with a, with a sling. Like, can you hunt a deer? Can you hunt a, a going up in what you can hunt? But you have to remember, there's also like a lower barrier as well, where hitting something with a sling is just going to be it's just going to be killing it. It's not going to be like in any way sort of harvesting the animal in in any way it's going to be a bit sort of overkill maybe if the rabbit was already sitting in a pot then it could be soup there's a gruesome mental image for you folks yeah getting the rabbit to sit in the pot first is going to be a bit difficult to encourage it in there but maybe yeah and generally if if you've already got the rabbit in the pot you probably don't need to be hunting it yeah that's true that's that's yeah (laughs) purely intellectual exercise at that point yeah (laughs) I do wonder about using something other than a stone in that sort of situation. I think a I think a lead glande would be a much better ammo to use. Um, and it's also I think thinking about the size of the rabbit, it was probably he doesn't say how big the rabbit was. He just says rabbit, which there's actually quite a lot of variation. I mean, I know that in here in Finland there are there are the hares that get very very large, um, where they're like the size of a small dog, really. Um, so. I think if this was quite a small rabbit, then I can see it like just being, you know, obliterated. But with something like a hare, I think it would be a lot more of a effective way of doing it. And I think with the glande especially, it would just kill the animal without, you know, destroying the the whole thing. So there are different sort of different approaches. I think that we could use it for rabbit hunting specifically. Yeah. Okay. So so birds, uh, basically, it's a numbers game. You're just trying to hit one among a flock. Generally, I mean, you could you could hunt a specific bird, but uh, I think slinging at a flock of birds is probably the easiest form of hunting. And then second to that would be something you know, small like a a rabbit. You know, you could probably hunt squirrel as well, although they're they're pretty wily. Yeah, and you know they they have really good vision and. Uh, and you're talking about a three-dimensional hunt if they're up in a tree. Yeah. It's not just along the surface of the ground. And then that can also present problems if you're hunting in a sort of... And that's something we should talk about as well, is that when you're using a sling, you have to have some area around you so that you're not getting tangled up in things, that you actually have space to cast the stone or whatever ammo it is. So if you're hunting in sort of woodland area, that could be quite difficult depending on the sort of terrain and the type of vegetation there. So, yeah, I think squirrels would be much much more difficult that's sort of another step up i'd say in difficulty from rabbits. from rabbits that's probably true uh although not impossible there's plenty of situations where there may be a clear clearing at the ground but then there's squirrels up in the trees above you yeah and it's it's possible i mean i you know i have squirrels in my neighborhood i've never hunted them and i'm pretty sure they've never hunted me either but uh, (laughs) they do come close enough that it's plausible that you could maybe get one with a sling uh, certainly a slingshot, you could do it in that uh, slingshot, you, you have a static uh, ability to aim. And I know I know people do hunt squirrels with slingshots, so... Yeah. Uh, but that that's an upcoming episode. Eventually, we'll talk about one of the differences, or many of the differences between slings and slingshots. But, but I know that uh, if, you can hunt a, if you can hunt a squirrel with a slingshot, you could probably do it with a sling as well. But it would be harder because of your having to wind up and make a lot of motion ahead of time mm. and uh squirrels in particular have really good vision uh they they can almost see all the way around them so if you're moving around a lot they're probably just going to move to the back side of whatever branch they're on yeah and then it become very difficult and so if <laughs> if not impossible yeah i'd say not impossible but uh you'd probably have to know what you're doing yeah yeah so sort of mentioned before the sort of upper limit of uh, hunting with a sling and we do have an account of a roe deer being hunted by Jagor, very appropriate name really which in german uh, jaeger means hunter and that this is actually his namesake this is where his where his online 
uh, sling.org forum name comes from. I heard the one story that he got the name from because he killed a mouse with a sling and it was sort of given as a sort of joking name. I think this was before uh, or maybe after he'd hunted uh, this deer. I don't know. Uh, you would have to ask him, I guess, for the for the true story. But um, he he has uh, one account of hunting a roe deer. And I I know that now he's he's not very in favor of hunting with a sling at all. Like he doesn't really see the point of using a sling. He for does hunting. not condone it. He doesn't. Yeah. He does not condone it. Um, so I'll make that clear. Like this was, he said before, this was before when he was sort of, uh, he, he's kind of changed his opinion on, on these sorts of topic, but um, he does have this account where he, uh, he talks about sort of hunting with a sling that, in a lot of cases, the just the the shock of being hit with this thing is actually can be enough to kill an animal. I think he said here that it was a number of years ago now, like more than ten. He was in Kazakhstan uh, with two experienced hunters there, and he sort of used this as an opportunity to demonstrate the power of the sling. And um, so he went out to kind of prove the sling as a as a real weapon because they kind of thought of the sling as being sort of a toy really than not really useful for anything just for kids to use. So um he went out and he actually managed to get get three hares. He's hunted foxes and then also this roe deer. And I've heard uh that you know he he managed to hit it and it ran off I think a few yards um but then very quickly died. So it was it was a very clean kill in that way. And um it really shows that he, if you have that ability to hit with precision, you can hit very large animals. And there is uh, some uh, more sort of pictures and evidence that we've seen online of people saying they've hunted various animals from coyotes to uh, raccoons, a few other different animals with a sling that um, we're hoping to get some more information on those. And we might be able to bring that uh, onto an episode at a later date once we get that information. But um, but it, it does seem that the sling can be used for quite large animals as well, like deer, which I I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to say, because I think the sling, as we know, was used to kill people, and people are quite big. So an animal like a deer isn't that much bigger than a person, so I can completely see it being used to hunt for those larger animals as well. Yeah. So for, for those of you who are not hunters, a the ideal situation for someone hunting, you know, I said I've I've never hunted before, but I do live in Texas. Uh, there's enough of a hunting culture here. I think I can, I can speak intelligently on this. You know, the ideal. That's a qualification enough. That, yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you can't, you come to Texas, you can't, they don't let you leave until you've shot a gun at least once and maybe ridden a horse. Uh, so the thing about hunting is the ideal is that when you take a shot at the animal, you want them to immediately fall over dead. You know, ideally it would be instant. Uh, but there are plenty of cases where people will use a modern uh, hunting rifle, which is about as as good of a hunting weapon as you could have, uh, and it will still you know, you could shoot a deer, shoot an animal, and then it will still run off into the woods, and then the hunter has to go uh, stalking the animal and find it, and then maybe even finish it off. Sometimes the first shot doesn't even uh, even with all the best tools. Sometimes uh, that would you, you don't always get a clean kill. So if yeah. uh, if Yegur was able to knock the deer uh, completely out within a few footsteps, that is an ideal situation from a hunting perspective because that means the animal didn't suffer and it was a very quick kill. Yeah, that that is what what everyone should be aiming for, and which is why I think we are both sort of not, and also now Yegur is saying that it, the sling is not really. You have to be very, very good with a sling to be able to use it for hunting to get that sort of situation where you can very cleanly kill an animal without it suffering. The worst case scenario would be that you you cause some sort of an injury, a broken leg, or some um, you know mangle it, but it but then it runs off and you never find it, and then that animal has to live possibly for years with the consequences of your bad shot. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of that's the other end of the scale, the worst sort of situation that you can have, where you've injured an animal but not actually done enough to kill it, and it manages to get away. That that would be terrible. So that's that for me. That's more than enough for me to to not even want to try. Yeah, to put me off of slinging at all for hunting because um, 
yeah, I don't know how, how well I'd sleep at night if I, if that happened. But uh, yeah, that, hunting for vegetables is is much uh, much safer in that regard. Yeah, as we were saying in the the sport episode, pumpkins pumpkins don't really run away, so they're they're perfect perfect game. So, and they are they are fun to hunt, even if you just injure them. Yes, yes, very true. You can keep slinging at them, and they'll they they won't even try and run away. So that's right. And it it can still be fun, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we've kind of we've kind of said like what our sort of opinions on how we think this should be used. Um, so using it against birds, using it on maybe smaller animals uh, if you can guarantee that you're going to be able to kill them. But like, there's also sort of the whole aspect of like we said, moving through the right terrain, having the right ammo available. Um, which is one of the thing, one one of the main pros of using a sling is that it is just so versatile that you can use almost anything in it. Like, I I do I I know there isn't there isn't much evidence for this at all, but I think in Finland it just would have made sense to use a sling to hunt seabirds, for example, because here in Finland there's a lot of really heavy granite rocks that have been um, smoothed over into a perfect sling ammo by glaciers. And you can find a lot of them down by the coast on around the uh, beaches on islands, exactly where you'd find seabirds. And I just, I can't imagine that any slinger would have found these perfect rocks, uh, looked around and seen all these seabirds and not put two and two together. So well, it's kind of, kind of like the rabbit story, right? The rabbit was just sitting there and just almost out of curiosity, he, he threw a stone at the rabbit. So if you've got perfect slinging yeah. stones and a bunch of uh, targets everywhere, it's inevitable that somebody in history would have picked one up and thrown yeah. it at a bird. Yeah. So it, I think, you know, it, the, there can, there can be like perfect conditions for a sling to be used for hunting, I think. Um, and, and this is again, talking in history when it would have been necessary. I think it's a very different situation nowadays, but just like, why the sling would would have been used for hunting, how it could be used. I think there's there's a lot of situations that present themselves that would have been, you know, very beneficial to have a sling. So I I, I don't think we mentioned it yet, but there somewhere I'm I'm gonna have to look for it and maybe if I find it I'll put it in the show notes. There was a discussion at one point on uh, the slinging forums about in North America uh, skipping stones across the water to hunt ducks. So you don't even necessarily have to hit it. You just basically, as it skips across the water, it doesn't have to hit on the first bounce, but uh, it because it's bouncing off the water, you have a good shot at getting a duck that's actually floating on the surface of the water. And so that's another hunting hunting technique that I believe there's some historical evidence for in uh, Native Americans hunting ducks in, in North America. But I'll, I'll see if I can find uh, where that discussion was. Yeah, I, I I can completely believe that that would be a sort of a viable method because I've managed to skip stones off of water before using, I think uh, the best sort of move is a sort of sidearm type throw so you can get that spin and it comes quite low at the right angle to skip stones. But yeah, I can see that working. And in fact, again, talking about Finland, just because, you know, I'm here, so might as well. Um, in the sort of Finno-Ugric peoples so the people of finland and then of some areas of russia there's native western russia um they have a tradition of using arrows that can bounce off of the water um so they have sort of a forked uh head with then uh, a float behind it which allows the arrow to hit the water and skip up and they can skip for a number of like a number of meters and uh there's been some uh, youtube videos particularly todd's workshop had did a video a few, I think it was a few months or maybe a year ago on, on them and how they work. And he made some, um, and they work very well for that sort of situation. I can see if someone can skip a stone that if they, they already had this idea of using arrows. So maybe they use them with a sling as well. We, I can't say that for sure, but that's kind of the thing with all of this. Again, it's, we're trying to reconstruct really in a lot of ways and there isn't a hell of a lot of evidence really. There's, there's, bits and pieces here and there and we can kind of think about how it would be used but i think that's one way that makes sense to use and if and if there is some evidence that was used in north america then i can imagine it's it was used elsewhere as well and of course uh if any of our listeners have ever used a sling for hunting please reach out we'd love to hear uh how it was used and and hear evidence from today of how the sling might be might be used for something like hunting or or uh animal husbandry 
if there's any shepherds out there listening, then uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that's, that's something as well, because again, there's not much evidence of that, uh, evidence of how that that's done either, because historians have this really bad habit of sticking to wars and to politics and to things that like are the big catastrophic events and they don't talk about everyday life all that often. There's very, there's only a few cases where people have actually bothered to write some of this stuff down when it's just everyday, everyday use for things. So knowing how to use a sling in a sort of animal husbandry setting would be really useful to know as well. And yeah, send in all, all your experiences if you have any of hunting and, using the sling in these sorts of ways and maybe we could have a whole episode at some point of everyone's uh experiences or something just to just to have that out there collect some together well and we we live in a unique time in history where uh instead of being limited in what we can record uh you know history from this era will have uh you know hundreds of thousands of people applying makeup uh, on top of you know and daily routines and things that normally people wouldn't consider that anybody cares about now because we have social media we think that everybody cares about everything yeah it's true we, we get a lot of a, a lot of that sort of everyday stuff is now being recorded so it'd be good to get some of these things that are that people might not think of as being particularly interesting or particularly uh sort of notable with their use of this thing i, I think I'd be interested in it, so send send it on in and we can record it here as well for poster for posterity. Seriously? Again? But, um, yeah, so, I mean, those sort of the different ways that slinging can be good in those sorts of situations, but, the, you know, we've talked a little about the cons of using a sling uh, for hunting, but, again, it's it, it, I think a sling is very good in certain situations, but it's far from, like, an, uh, a universal hunting weapon. Um, something like a rifle, I think, is far more usable in a variety of different settings whereas a sling you really have to have that space around you you have to have the right the right ammo i mean you you can use a wide variety of ammo but you still need some you know consistent aspects to it for it to be useful and then also again the range of things that you can hunt i think is is smaller we've talked there does seem to be quite a wide range that we think it would be useful for but overall it's a lot smaller of a range than um than something like a gun or even a bow. So, I mean, hunting has uh, a lot to do with the animal psychology as well, right? There's, there's this cat and mouse game where you're, you're trying to catch an animal with their guard down and take them out before they know what happened. And that's a lot easier with something like a bow, a slingshot, a rifle, a pistol, almost anything other than a sling uh, that's a projectile weapon because most of those uh, store the energy as potential energy and then it is suddenly released. Whereas with a sling, you're storing that that energy as momentum, which means that the natural state of the sling is in motion. Sorry to go kind of physicsy on you guys here, but uh, you know this. It's not too physicsy. I think we get. I think we'll get away with it. Yeah, I mean, basically, the the way you're storing energy for release in a sling is by swinging it around. So that is a really good way to spook your prey. Uh, now, there are, there are some slinging techniques that minimize that motion ahead of time to where by the time you start moving, you can release your projectile before the animal has time to react. But there is more time for an animal to react with a sling because you at least have to swing your arm as opposed to just make a very small motion like to release an arrow or pull a trigger. Yeah, I I think... That also depends again on the what you're hunting for, because as with the story from Nolslinger, he was able to get off two shots, and the rabbit didn't really move at all. It moved slightly, but it didn't run away. It kind of froze in place. So, in that way, you can kind of get away with. It might be that you can get away with uh, using a sling with quite a large motion. And I know for me that because I've not been hunting with a sling, my main concern is not hitting animals. And it's amazing how often the seabirds, when I've been throwing into the sea, have wanted to be hit, it seems. that They keep swimming into wet, in the way or flying just overhead, right in the path that I'm, I'm trying to sling at. So um, it can be that the animals don't really react at all. Even if you're doing a large motion, like I've been doing helicopter, like swinging the sling directly over my head multiple times and trying to throw it off and 
uh, not scaring them off at all. Joining us for this episode, we also have Mercer. You've been on the forum for a long time and uh, you have some some experience with hunting and you're very expert with the sling, I, can, I think I would say. So how about you talk a little about yourself and how you've been using the sling recently? Hi, everyone. I'm Mercer. I've been slinging since 2006. I've had a little experience with hunting with the sling. I'm lucky enough to live in a country where it's uh, not quite defined enough that it's technically illegal and I have a hunting property that I'm allowed to use the sling on. So I've had a little experience with uh, hunting rabbits. Can you tell us what country that is? People have probably guessed by your accent, but... uh... Uh, I come from the southwest of Australia, so... I live in a little town called Margaret River, which is about 350 kilometres from our capital city, Perth, in Western Australia. For folks who uh, may have missed a previous episode, we have uh, shown videos of Mercer doing trick shots in the past on our our show notes. So he is very accurate with the sling, very good with the sling, and uh, a friend of the show. I'm extremely modest and I will say no. <laughs> I, I will say Merce is one of the few people who is accurate enough to actually attempt to hunt with some reliability and uh, being able to have enough confidence to, to hit what he's trying to hit. Yeah, I, I would uh, agree with that. And Thank you, guys. You've been hunting rabbits, which is, I know, a pest species in Australia. So there's, there's sort of that aspect as well that it is, it is hunting for a purpose in a way. Very much so. We have... Uh extreme large problem with pest species in australia we have foxes rabbits we actually have some wild deer in small populations camels donkeys horses dogs cats and a lot of them directly impact uh, the native wildlife and ecosystems so it's uh in our government's eyes it's pretty much okay to kill anything that's not original to australia so i know that you've because you said you've been hunting rabbits i know you've had some experiences where you've managed to uh kill some of the rabbits because we talked before about how noel slinger managed to entirely decimate a rabbit sort of how, how have you seen the sling affect rabbits so i've had uh one it's almost a confirmed kill but i'm by my own uh critique i don't count it because I never saw the impact of the stone on the rabbit, but I was hunting in an area where I, I usually bow hunt. I am um, quite an avid bow hunter for rabbits, and I know there was an area where there was an abundance of rabbits quite near their, their warren, so I knew the general area that I should be clinging at, and I remained out of view, and I was able to sling a few stones from approximately 80 metres. I don't have definite measurements. But I um, went down after about 10 minutes of slinging multiple stones and I, I found a dead, warm, non-rigor mortis rabbit. And uh, it was more than likely a, a head or frontal body shot, which would have stopped its heart or hit its brain and, and given it quite a quick death. That's why I don't confirm it as a, as a definite kill. It's possible that I stumbled across a rabbit being attacked by a fox or something like that and scared the fox away and something else killed it or potentially it was bitten by a snake or something like that. It's not very likely to find a rabbit in that condition so close to me slinging a stone. Any other dead Animals that I usually find have insects on them or some form of decay, and it was a very, very fresh kill. So, yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty likely to me at least. And you know, we've just been talking about how the sling is very effective against sort of small animals like that. I think the you know with the null slinger story of completely destroying a rabbit, I think I can very much see a rabbit or other small animal being killed with a direct hit so yeah 80 meters is a really long distance for hunting or for for hitting anything really but something small like a rabbit that's that's incredible like i said it wasn't so much that i was aiming at a specific rabbit at that distance it was more so that 
I knew that there would be rabbits in the area and they, they stayed within maybe a 15-metre radius from the warren and I had complete cover and I don't know if you guys have talked about this, but the sling is a very silent weapon, especially when you don't have a cracker and I don't run a cracker on my sling. So I was able to launch multiple stones and it's quite possible that one of them did impact uh, one of the rabbits. And the momentum carries over that distance. It's not like a like an arrow where the, the speed is almost more of the kinetic energy than the weight of the arrow. The, the, I was throwing, I didn't weigh the stones, but I'm going to estimate between 100 and 150 gram stone. So moving at roughly 30 to 45 metres per second, that's pretty much more than enough to kill a rabbit. Yeah, that's pretty significant. So, uh, I mean, as we've seen with, uh, we talked about in the conflict episode how you can throw stones up and land them down onto groups of troops. And it's the same with uh, the hunting. I think, you know, you can see how a sling would be able to deliver that energy even if you throw it directly up, it's still going to come down with a lot of energy. So you, you don't lose so much as you would with uh, a lot of other weapons that aren't as heavy and dense as a sling stone. So. Well, and we talked about slinging at flocks of birds earlier. And so the way that you use the sling is very similar in that you're slinging at a, a, a flock of rabbits, uh, just slinging in the general area and trying to statistically hit one by by throwing multiple stones without having a specific target. Correct. Um, unfortunately, in Australia, the duck species that we have are protected. They're native species. But I have been in positions where if I were to be able to hunt ducks legally, it is definitely a choice weapon as opposed to something like a bow or a rifle. I mean, a shotgun or something that with a large spread would definitely be a good choice, but uh, individual arrow or an individual bullet as opposed to a sling, I think the sling, in a way, is almost a better weapon because it's quieter and it's got a larger piece of ammo, so that plays into the accuracy to a point. A small bullet like a twenty two or something needs to be a, more of a precise shot than a 100 gram stone because 100 gram stone is probably the size of a golf ball or larger yeah you have that sort of increases your odds of hitting something Uh, you know that that's an interesting point too that you know normally you think of a sling as being inferior to a modern weapon like a rifle but a rifle if, if the bullet goes clean through it could injure the animal but not kill it and that's that's we talked earlier again about uh, how that's the worst case scenario. The last thing you want to do is injure it and then have it get away, possibly survive, uh, but having been maimed. And so if you have a, a very small bullet, very fast bullet that goes clean through and doesn't hit any vital organs, uh, you could actually cause an injury without killing it. Whereas if you take that same energy and just do a blunt impact, then it's, it may be more likely to kill the animal depending on the animal. Yeah, for sure. So, Personally, from my own experiences of hunting rabbits, I've seen a 22 hit a rabbit in the rear quarter. It actually hit the spine, and the rabbit was uh, paralysed from the, the back down. But because the distance that that shot was taken, the rabbit actually was able to get away. It definitely would have died later with such a devastating wound but it was able to get back to its warren and get into a hole and we weren't re- able to recover it. We've had similar things with arrows where a slightly bad shot may, may hit the animal and will kill the animal, but the rabbit's adrenaline and things can, can cause it to move away, whereas I feel like a direct hit with the sling is extremely disabling, even in the rear quarter of an animal, and more than likely you should be able to recover. So so the counter to that, though, is that uh, that blunt impact may do more tissue damage. So if you're going to eat the animal, then there, it may be you're, you're eating uh, a slightly more damaged carcass at that point. Definitely. I enjoy eating rabbit. I, uh, I would feed it to a lot of people. I personally do it in a Kentucky Fried Rabbit style, and I don't think many people would be able to differentiate it from chicken. 
but also they are a pest species over here and they cause a lot of devastation to livestock and farms and there's an alternative reason that they're being hunted than just for food. So the rabbit species there in Texas, uh, the most common rabbit that you see out in the wild is the jackrabbit. Uh, you must have a different species because those are not really great to eat. We have a European rabbit. Okay. So they were introduced some type of European rabbit. I could probably look up the species, but they actually, funny story, they, they came from, I believe it was 17 rabbits that were released by a, a man who wanted to hunt them, funnily enough, and they took off in the saying they breed like rabbits and have spread from where they were originally released across the whole of Australia. Yeah, the rabbits are a very successful pest species. I mean, technically there are pest species in Britain as well. They were introduced either by the Romans or I think it was uh, either the Romans or the Normans. I think they might have originally been brought in, uh, brought over by the Romans, but for the same reason that, that they make for good, um, they make for good eating. So <laughs> they brought them over for food and then they escaped and they did what they do best, which is, take over an area so they're now all across britain as well as australia so mercer do you know how to how to tell when you're done cooking a jackrabbit uh not a jackrabbit but uh well, it's it's pretty easy all all you do is you get a, a good hot boiling pot of water and then you drop a steel ball bearing into the water and when you can get a fork into the ball bearing the rabbit is done <laughs> no i prefer to brine them personally so we we put them in either a milk or a salt brine and we keep them overnight. That takes a little bit of the gaminess out. And uh, from there, we cut them into bite-sized pieces, batter them in some type of bread or corn crumb, and shallow fry them. And I can tell you personally, they are absolutely delicious. That sounds amazing. All right, dinner at Mercer's. Also, with Australia and their pest species, we, um, we didn't make a very good uh, call on... Uh, plan to remove the rabbits we actually introduced foxes because foxes were meant to clean up the rabbit species but um, unfortunately the foxes found that fast cunning rabbits that know that foxes want to eat them are not the best choice of food for foxes considering we have possums and quenders and bandicoots and lots of ground species that don't know that there's predators in the world so the foxes decided to eat all of the things that nice. we didn't want them to eat. So we have a large pest species problem in Australia, multiple different types of pest species. That is the problem with using a species to try and take out another species is that often the species will have their own ideas about what, what they want to do. So. so so inconsiderate. I don't know if you're uh, aware of the cane toad that we have in Australia. Yes, yes, I've heard. I, I think that's the most the most famous uh, case of an invasive species. Yeah. yeah, so we introduced cane to grow for sugar cane, and that was fine. But in that, we brought over cane beetle, which is a, an insect that eats the cane. And uh, so we thought, oh, we'll bring in cane toads because they eat the cane beetle. But again, we made a bit of a boo-boo. Yeah, is is. Bit of an understatement in a way. They, from what I've heard, they they've been very uh, aggressive and invasive. They have almost moved across the whole of Australia. They haven't quite made it to where I live, but they are in the north of my state. But you must remember, my state's probably as tall as Europe. So yeah, <laughs> quite an impressive spread. Definitely. Uh, you know, Mercer, while we've got you on, why don't you tell us about your uh, your recent success with the sling? It's not hunting related, but I think it's worth uh, celebrating a little bit. Okay. Um, so recently I got my, I have a 26-inch sling. So from what people know about sling, it's probably what most people consider a short sling. Would you agree? It's kind of on the short to medium edge, yeah. Yeah. So, um it's been my sling since I started in 2016, and I set myself a personal goal of throwing something 200 metres, and I struggled for years to get that 200 metre confirmation. I had probably done it multiple times, but I could never find the impact zone or the ammo 
or get it on footage or get something that I was 100% definite that I made the 200-meter three. But just, I think it was two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I was able to get not only the impact zone, found the gland that I threw. It was a 22-gram lead gland. And I also got audio footage of the impact from me throwing and it landing. So I was pretty excited. It is a pretty amazing uh, feat to be able to get that sort of distance with such a short sling. I know for myself, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to get that with a much longer sling. So, yeah, it's very impressive. Not only a short sling, but also if you're using a weight, something that is in the 20 gram range, that to me is what really blows my mind. Historically, we see, I think the Greeks and the Romans were using uh, lead glandes that were about that size. And I always thought those were tiny. But then to hear you throwing 200 meters with that is, uh, it kind of lends a lot more credibility. Not that the Romans or the Greeks need our approval, but really for me, it makes the the idea of the historical lead glands that are in that 20 to 30 gram range make a lot more sense. For me, it was the muzzle velocity that I was chasing. I was able to throw 85 gram lead, uh, sorry, steel ball bearings, um, about 175 meters. But to get that extra 25 meters, I needed that initial muzzle velocity. I don't think the coefficient was the issue. I just needed that additional speed and out of such a short sling it meant I needed to do the rotation into the power stroke a lot faster so that my power stroke was really really efficient whereas with a heavier projectile I was able to get very close because it would hold the coefficient energy over the distance better but the initial velocity was much lower so I think everyone's personal, sling size is personal, and my solution to the problem wasn't necessarily the way that everyone should go about it, but definitely having a lighter projectile to get that initial muzzle velocity was good, and only would I achieve that with lead, with something so dense. If I was to throw a 22-gram clay ball, I'd struggle to probably hit 150 metres. So, I mean, you know, we we talked about this a little bit in the in the conflict episode, but if you're in a conflict situation or in warfare, if you can outrange your opponent by a good 15, 20 meters, then you have a major advantage over them because you can hit them when they can't hit you. So uh, it really does, uh, for me at least, it helps to explain uh, some of the decisions on why we see these very, what what I would consider to be very small, lightweight glands in the ancient Greek and Roman warfare uh, situations. So, so thanks, Mersa. That was, uh, for me, that was very enlightening to have a modern person have that same experience and arrive at the decision to use a, uh, what most slingers consider to be very small, lightweight ammo, uh, you know, very, very dense ammo as well. But uh, yeah, it, that really, for me, it helps to make some of the historical accounts uh, make a lot more sense. Yeah. So for me, the, uh, the denseness of lead lays also not just the aerodynamic coefficient to gain more distance, but also the penetration factor. And I'm sure you guys are aware of this, and I believe you've talked about it in the conflict episode, but something like a lead gland, when it impacts, because it's smaller, it has a better penetration than something like a stone it's not necessarily more damaging but it will embed itself into the target or the person or the animal more so that's not necessarily something that you want to have for hunting i personally believe that stone is probably one of the better choices when you're hunting because it's it's more of a bludgeon type of damage yeah you're not trying to penetrate and hit a lung or a heart you're trying to devastate an area like break bone sever a spinal column injure the brain something like that so that you can really disable the animal or kill the animal on that impact and 
if it doesn't die instantly, you have a good chance of following it up by chasing it down and, and killing it. I think if you were to live in a scenario where you really needed to feed yourself with the sling, the sling has a very large potential of hitting leg bones, causing animals not to be able to, to move and things like that, that the narrow doesn't. If you shoot an animal in the leg, with an arrow, especially a light arrow, is more than likely going to deflect off of a bone than it is to penetrate through that bone or break that bone. Maybe not with modern compound bows, but traditional equipment, it's, it's always suggested to aim for that lung-heart area with an arrow, and you're trying to sever the, the lungs and the heart so that it bleeds and loses its blood pressure in the brain then shuts off and the animal falls down. But with a sling, it's a different type of damage. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this. Yeah, yeah, we did sort of touch on that idea that it's it can just devastate whatever you're hitting. It's it, You don't have to be... In that way, you, you kind of don't need to worry as much about being pinpoint accurate. You just have to hit the animal. So that can be a very definite pro in using a sling for hunting. So, um, yeah, thanks, Mercer, for joining us for this. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we hope to hear from you again in another episode. Okay, so I think we can uh, cue the outro. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at catchthispodcast.com, on the sling.org forum, on YouTube, and at catch underscore this underscore podcast on Instagram. Music by Wintergarten. Catch you next time.